Mini-episode 1377 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1377. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. And one of my absolute favorite FDH Lounge dignitaries is joining us today, our good friend uh, Joe Stazak from Philadelphia, a Philly media legend here, uh, whether it be TV, radio, all these things here. He's been there. He's done that. And uh, now going global with uh, fellow good friend, Steve Callis on the Callis Remarks podcast, which you can check out every week here. So uh, all over the world, uh, folks are getting to hear uh, their wonderful takes every week on the world of sports. And uh, we are here today for actually a FantasyDraftHelp.com insider segment here, taking a look at the 2021 fantasy football season. We're just about all drafted through as we're recording this, although uh, it turns out that uh, Joe has a last-minute draft here, sneaking one in right before the uh, the first game, as it were. So uh, good to have uh, Joe on to uh, break down this upcoming season here. And uh, again, uh, best of luck uh, to you, Joe, in the draft that will follow our discussion here. And uh, always, always a pleasure to get you back on, buddy. Hey, I appreciate it, Rick. Yeah, this has uh, timed out very well. Uh, this is the most preparation I've ever done for one of my drafts. I've won since 2006, that should tell you something. But uh, I have a good feeling about this year, and we're going to have some fun tonight. Well, you know, the thing of it is, too, is, and, and again, I, I know it's the one where people will look at the most for guidance because it is the game for the masses. But by the same token, as opposed to fantasy baseball, fantasy hockey, fantasy hoops, things where you've got a substantially bigger body of work uh, that you're going off of. This is certainly, I hate to say it, but it's true. It's the most luck-driven. It's the most random-driven, whatever. So basically, it's the other sports where you really kind of prove yourself. Uh, in this fantasy football, you know, it, it, it requires some skill, but there's a lot of luck in it. And it's the fun factor, it seems like, of being in it with friends and being in the game that is by far the most popular fantasy game in these United States. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, we're competitive, but it really it gives you an opportunity to stay in touch with everyone. You know, we're not in high school anymore, so I don't see these guys much anymore, but every week, you know, making trades and talking a little yap and just uh, just seeing who uh, who's playing who, it just, it kind of brings everyone together. So to me, that's the fun of it. It really does. And uh, every year, of course, it's a slightly different landscape uh, in, in some ways. And this is one where uh, writ large, we're going to be dealing with, it might not have seemed this way maybe two months ago, but we're going to be going through our second consecutive season where there are going to be a lot of uh, COVID disruptions to the season. Could be some guys getting pulled at the 11th hour because of COVID or uh, maybe you know an, an entire offensive line on a team maybe gets uh, disrupted by it. There are gonna, there's going to be a lot more 
randomness. For the fantasy sport that's the most popular but the most random, it's going to be even more random this year, and it's going to be harder to stay on top of. And, and again, that's where it would seem like uh, more than usual, you're going to be want to be looking at your lineup. Thankfully, most of us can do it on our phone now with the various apps, probably right up until kickoff on Sundays because I hate to say it, but this is going to be a year because of COVID of you never know what's going to drop at the last minute. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, Last year I had COVID-related issues. Either my guys were injured, they had COVID, or were suspended by week four. So that was my <laughs> core team. So everyone got on me for like forgetting to play and starting guys. So a lot of my guys, I don't have anyone to play if my guys are out. Yeah. But uh, I promised them all I'm in. I'm in this year. I'm dialed in 100% and uh, looking forward to it. Well, you know, I, I'm looking at it like the, the, the two sister leagues that I'm in, and I'm in these, I've been in these forever. I'm in these with guys that I grew up with, and we go way, way, way back. And uh, the commissioner last year, for the first time ever, went beyond the five free agent pickup rule and uh, modified it a little bit. And uh, as of the start of this season, and I don't think he's going to change it midway, we got just the five moves. So there may be times where between bye weeks, and things like that. That's an excellent point that you mentioned. Leagues like mine where you're restricted on the transactions, and to be honest with you, you know, there's hardly any one week where I'm going to sell out completely. Like, oh, let me cash in all five of my, you know, moves here in week two just so I have a full lineup. So, yeah, I mean, there, there may be the very real possibility uh, that people will be uh, forced to play blank spots in their lineups there, which I had that happen last year with a kicker. I think I had one a kicker go on COVID protocol at the last minute, and my other kicker was out bye week. Like, what are you going to do? What so, are you going to do is correct. I mean, so you just got to – it's the way it is right now. It's the way it is. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's likely to happen again. So, I mean, that is something that is peculiar to the landscape of this season. And uh, again, in looking at it, uh, you know, even more so, I would say, than a year ago, this is the kind of thing that I think just kind of keeps uh, building upon itself uh, the last couple of years. Going back to 2014, not every season since then, but 2014 was, I would say, probably the biggest bumper crop year of wide receivers in the NFL draft, I would say, since that vaunted class of 96. And then you, you look at some of the draft classes subsequently and another really good one this year, and what that leads to is, number one, and especially number two, fantasy wide receivers, it's about the deepest I've ever seen it. And so it's a thing where you're really going to have a lot of options here week to week, I would say, more so than any other position, playing the matchups, trying to exploit on that, because uh, it, it's, it would seem like uh, anybody that's drafting well should have uh, at least one or two, potentially three, very good wide receivers on their bench because the depth is just unprecedented. Depth is huge this year, Rick. Uh, you know, most people will tell you, my philosophy is this, I'm, and this is the way I would draft if I was a GM, take the best player available, basically. Yeah. Uh, I don't draft for position. However, that position tends to be running back, and most people go that direction. But this year... I think you could go either way here. After about the first seven running backs, it drops off dramatically. But like yes. you said, you made a great point. It is chock full of star receivers this year. If you don't get um, your, your running back, uh, the, the one you want in, in like round one, um, you could certainly take a serviceable running back in, in round two if you want, or round three because 
then the middle of the pack, they all kind of bunch up. And then, like you said, it's a lot of it's luck. You don't know who's going to bounce out, who's going to break out, um, who's going to maybe uh, replace an injured starter. But uh, it is loaded at wide receiver, so I would go either way in this situation. I know some people go quarterbacks, which I used to do. I mean, Mahomes is sitting there. It's hard to not take Patrick Mahomes. But mm-hmm. um, everyone I talk to says, you know, it's not the way to go. Go with the running backs. Certainly this year the wide receivers, and you can still get a pretty good value quarterback in the later rounds. Yeah, and I was faced with a conundrum in the first of my two drafts. I ended up drafting in the uh, ninth, I'm sorry, the 10th spot and the 11th spot in my my two leagues. So I didn't mind it. The ones that I hate, and it's all a matter of personal preference, where I loathe in my 12-team leagues, I hate 6 and 7, and I'm not real fond of 5 and 8. Because you mm-hmm. you cannot get into uh, a rhythm. The snake rule, you know, you go yeah uh, first uh, one through whatever, and then backwards. Yes, the snake rule. Yes, that's yes. Same thing. I agree with you. Kind of in no man's land. Yes, because I, I think, and and this is it's all a matter of personal preference, but it, it does seem like a lot of people agree with me on this. It's much easier to get into a rhythm because you want to be picking essentially if you can two players at more or less the same time. Granted, you'll have, unless you're on the end, you're going to have somebody in between you, but to be able to envision what your next pick is going to be after that, at least have it down to one or two or three guys versus when you're in the middle, you have no idea what the next round is going to look like and who's going to be there, what you're going to want to do. So I think in, uh, I, I actually moved back. The way that our leagues are is you draw for position, but then that's your order of preference. So I think I had like six and one of them. I'm like, I'm taking, I'm, I'm moving back towards the end. So that was what I ended up doing. I, I was 10 and I was 11. And this was a classic conundrum for me in my first draft because I always preach value at all costs. And uh, again, I'm sitting there at number 10 and most of the top running backs had been picked over, but Tyreek Hill was still there. And I had about wow. a mid, I had about a mid first round grade on him. So I take Tyreek Hill and then I'm coming back around third pick, second round. Similarly, I had about a mid-first round grade, and this might be a little higher than some, but I have it on him, on Justin Jefferson. And he's still uh-huh. sitting there. And I'm sitting there like, but the running backs are already picked over, and I've done this in the past, and my number two running back is always a bum when I do this because, right. you know, I, I just can't. So I'm looking at it, and I go Antonio Gibson, because I was just like, I cannot sell out at running back. I got I don't like Antonio Gibson as much as I love Justin Jefferson, but I have to start two running backs. So right. that's the reality of it. And then Justin Jefferson drops to my good pal, fellow FDH lounge dignitary, John Adams. With like He gets him with the third last pick of the second round. And I'm going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Now, this story does have a happy ending of sorts because I got Justin Jefferson with my second pick. In my other draft, my 11th pick, I went for Jonathan Taylor. Second pick, second round, Justin Jefferson. Whereupon my friend starts crowing that he got him at the end of the second round. (laughs) And I was like, that's because everybody else idiotically reached and let him drop to you. (laughs) I said, said, even I'm getting a value here, much less what you got the other night. So those those are tough decisions when you're sitting there. And you have the choice. I mean, imagine if your top two wide receivers are Tyree Kill and Justin Jefferson. But by oh, the same goodness. token, 
I mean, I might as well sign a guy off Skid Row to be my number two running back because my num- my number one running back is going to be in reality a number two, and my number two running back is going to be replacement level at best. So these are yeah. these are the conundrums you get into, and I I don't know how that's going to play out for me this year because I'm going to look at it and I'm going to be paying attention to who could I have gotten at number two running back, and if I don't win that league, I'm going to be thinking back to that decision the whole way, but. Sometimes you get that inflection point of do I reach for the value, go for the gusto, or do I have to play it a little bit more conservative and make sure I don't get shut out completely at another position? Yeah, well, again, that's, like you said, that's the conundrum. But uh, my thing is take the best player. You, uh, you, you may, if you take that running back there, like you said, you may end up with a bum. And you may end up with a bum if you take him in the fifth or sixth round. So, yeah. it, you know, kind of like... Uh, it, it, six and one half dozen the other. There's a big drop off, like I said, in running backs this year after about the seventh pick. So uh, again, I would uh, my philosophy is best player available. If the wide receivers there, <laughs> you get lucky and get a Justin Jefferson there uh, to go along with Tyreek Hill, and you only have one running back. It's fine. Uh, you know, you you should be fine. You can you can always get lucky. There have been since 2017, I think. 65 running backs taken outside the top 25, and they've all finished in the top 20 at some point. Like Deion Lewis is a guy who was way outside the top 25. He was upwards in the 60s, and he finished like 15th one year. So you can get lucky. You can find a guy with a team like you know he played for the Patriots that year. He really uh, you know had a bang up year. Eagles cut him, of course, um, mm-hmm. but. Um, so, again, my philosophy, best player available, and you don't necessarily need to jump at a quarterback in the first three rounds, believe it or not. Oh, sure, because there's great depth that's out there. And as a matter great of fact, and, and this is a thing, and, and I mean, and I know nobody cares, but I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to read you off my first five picks from my second draft because I can't believe how lucky I got as far as guys dropping. This is Sometimes there's you know more <laughs> luck involved than skill. Uh, so, uh, oh, you know, and, and that's that's how it went. All right, 11th pick, Jonathan Taylor. That's probably about where he goes in a lot of leagues. Like I said, second pick, early second round, Justin Jefferson. Good value nice. there. Late third, I don't think this is happening in too many drafts. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire drops to the end of the third round. You're not seeing that a whole lot. So Interesting. I was Interesting. crossing my fingers that he was going to drop, and he did. Early fourth, Mike Evans is still on the board. Take That's him fantastic. there. That's and a then, fantastic pick in the fourth round. Thank you. But like I said, I'm just lucky he was still there. And then, like you said, in terms of the depth at quarterback, they were really starting to go by the late fifth round. But you know who is still there? Justin Herbert. That's my QB. So, I mean, <laughs> That's, That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, those wow. first those first five rounds, like I couldn't have hoped for it to go as well. And it's just a matter of sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time because it's a thing where, oh, what a great core you got, Ricky. And it's like, yeah, but any numbnuts probably could have sat there and known to scoop up these guys as they're falling to them. I mean, if you have a good draft board, like the one you get at fantasydrafthelp.com, that is. But, I mean, still, you know, sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time. And when you talk about quarterback depth, that's a thing, too, of where I really feel like as we get into the season, uh, you know, unlike at wide receiver, where you've got the tier of number one wide receivers, where I think those are the guys you don't want to tinker with, I think at quarterback, 
you probably go to about eight or nine deep this year of guys where, so in a, in a, you know, in a 12-team league, that's two-thirds to three-quarters of the quarterbacks out there of where week in and week out, these are probably the guys you want to go with. And then you start to get to some of the guys that are a little bit more marginal, like uh, Joe Burrow, if they get the offensive line figured out in Cincinnati, if he can bounce back to where he was last year, then maybe he can join that tier, but I don't quite have him on that right now. But uh, there's a couple guys where, so he would be, to me, a situational starter. But, I mean, to me, when you're looking at the likes of Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Josh Wilson, Russell, uh, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and maybe Tom Brady, depending on how you look at him. I mean, to me, quarterback is a position this year where there shouldn't be a whole lot of tinkering because if you got any of those guys and they're healthy and they're not on a bye, I say you go with them. I agree. Um, where it gets a little tricky, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Jalen Hurts, and he's ranked number 10, and that's ahead of Ryan Tannehill at 33 touchdowns last year. And yeah. Matt Stafford is now playing with the Rams. You know, I'm like, really? Like, uh, that's one of those where you reach a little bit, and you might get lucky. I'm not sold on him. I've only seen him play four games. You hardly played in the preseason. I know I'm picking him out because he's our QB1 around here, but right. uh, I just think it's interesting. Joe Burrow is like four behind him. I know he's coming off the major injury. Tua is like two behind that, and then you have Trevor Lawrence. So, uh, But like you said, you, you can't go wrong with the guys you pick. But to me, like Matt Stafford, if he's ranked the 12th quarterback and he's playing for the Rams this year. I mean, I, I think that's that's way low for him. And then you have Dak Prescott, who was – you know, hasn't taken a snap in a long time. He's the fourth-ranked quarterback. And, um, you know, Josh Allen's a guy who I thought eh, – shows you what I know. I thought, oh, he's admired to be in Buffalo for years, and he was not a very good pick, and blah, blah, blah. He's, like, rumored to be possibly the MVP this year, and he's number two behind Patrick Mahomes in a lot of projections that I've seen, including ESPN. So, um, like you said, you can probably get a very good quarterback, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Well, you know, be okay. when Josh Allen came out, I mean, and here's here, here's something that might be kind of painful and Philly, this joke, but I remember making the joke at the time, yeah. oh, Josh Allen, they'll teach him to pass and accurately at the NFL level, just like Ben Simmons will learn to shoot accurately at the NBA <laughs> level, which, by the way, we always talk about the synergy between our towns. Thanks, but no thanks on that one, Joey. I am not looking forward <laughs> I don't want any part of that guy, much less if we got to give you guys the rapidly improving Colin Sexton and more draft picks and stuff like that. I watch the playoffs. I'm not interested. Find somebody else, please. <laughs> you sure we can't? We can't speak the policy of Tyrese Maxey or somebody? <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. The synergy of self-loathing Cavs fans and overconfident Sixer fans. Like, Sixer fans wouldn't take Colin Sexton and, and, a, and a bunch of other guys in a package and self-loathing, stupid Cavs fans can't wait to do that. Don't appreciate Colin Sexton. <laughs> Don't value him. Oh, my God. In this town, the Colin Sexton hatred is just off the charts. I'm like, really? really? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, hatred might be too strong of a word, but lack of appreciation for a guy yeah, who's improved mean, year yeah. over year over year, uh, who in some statistical profiles, and listen, I'll be happy with a real poor man's version of this, in some statistical profiles through the first three years compares to Donovan Mitchell. So, I mean, come on. You know, all these people are like, you can't mention them in the same sentence. Like, but they've been, somewhere along the way, there were ships passing in the night. Maybe it was 2019. Maybe it was 2020. <laughs> people are stuck in the past, my friend. You and I are not stuck in the past. We understand where they're both at right now. 
Well, well, you, I got to give you credit. You had mentioned that when Simmons was a rookie. You said yeah. you, you questioned that. You were, right, you were way ahead of the curve. Thank that. you. Way I was, I was I joking about that. It was a disaster. It turned out. Even he had a pretty decent series against Washington in the first round. Right. He had a triple double in game one, though he was 0 for 6 at the free throw line, which should have told you, told us something. Right. Things to come, but. It just be it be. I've never seen anything like it. Thirty four percent from the line. It was taking him out in critical spots, and and then he, for 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 you know, listen, he's got to know. He does some things very well. We all know that. But right. The things that he wasn't doing well was inhibiting them from winning, and he keeps saying, "Yeah, well, I, I kept like you know uh, Trey Williams uh, to you know three uh, for nineteen or something. It doesn't matter. You lost the game at home. You lost games five and seven at home. Yeah. And you didn't shoot in the fourth quarter except for four times in the last four games. <laughs> yeah. And didn't want to take a dunk because, God forbid, he gets fouled on the dunk and has to go to the line. I and mean, Trey, Trey Williams just ran right by him anyway. He wasn't even going to contest it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's listen, I, I'm a guy sitting here where I'm just – you can imagine how much I was licking my chops with the Cavs getting Evan Mobley, so – I'm, I'm yeah. liking it. I'm fine just the way things are right now. Let's <laughs> let's let it unfold. Let's not do anything stupid here. But uh, and, and apparently the fact that Ben Simmons is good friends with uh, apparently Darius Garland is fueling a lot of these rumors. So it's like, well, it would be pretty ironic if you guys ended up getting Darius Garland back in the trade, which I mean, I, I'd be livid at giving him up too. I don't even I don't want to give up any of these guys. I want us to let this play out. So yeah, I just when you I've mentioned. Been Trey, well, by the way, it's Trey Young. I've been calling him Trey Williams. Oh, like, Trey, 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 Wayne, yeah. Trey Williams, Trey Young. I get them all. <laughs> That's, yeah, Doctor Trey. Wait, what? <laughs> right, <Dr>. so, <laughs> <you know. laughs> so it's you. You just you mentioned Josh Allen, and it reminded me of the Ben Simmons joke because I made the same joke about Josh Allen. But you know, damn it, if he didn't learn to get accurate at the NFL level, and he How about that, has, right? and, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the knock on him coming out of. Wyoming. And it's so funny because in the 2018 draft, so many people had uh, different quarterbacks that they liked the best. There were there were some people, and they won't admit it now, uh, but uh, you know there 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 were some that were uh, Josh Rosen uh, types. Uh, our our uh, colleague on the show, Bob Glassman, was one of them. I will admit that I continue to be a Sam Darnold truther. That's what I would have done if I was at number one with the Browns. I think he's going to be a good comeback. Guy with the Panthers. By the way, I think Baker may, if for no other reason than the weapons, you got to throw him in the mix of guys that are, you know, a uh, borderline number one starter uh, this year. Darnold uh, is not in that mix in Carolina, but, uh, you know, particularly with the coaching that he's going to get there, uh, I, I think is a decent uh, candidate to be a solid number two uh, uh, fantasy quarterback, a real sleeper there, I think. I think he's a good reclamation candidate. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you know, New York's kind of where quarterbacks go to die. Yeah, if they didn't um, ruin them. <laughs> what's that? What's if they that? Did, if the Jets didn't ruin them. <laughs> right, that's what I mean. You know? um, I was never huge on Sam Dominic. He, he tends to not secure the ball as much, as much as I'd like, but I think he's with a very good coach in Carolina, very yep. good coach in Carolina. I think they're going to be really good this year. I really do. Yeah. And I think that's an excellent book. Christian McCaffrey is the top pick among most people on most people's draft boards. And if you take Sam, if you have Sam Darlin in the mix, that's a pretty strong offense right there. Um, and uh, like you said, it's a reclamation project. 
You're still on board with Sam Donald. I'm willing to wait and see with Sam Donald, mm-hmm. but I certainly think those things can get straightened out down there in Carolina. I, I will say this. I had a very interesting off-air conversation with fellow FDH Lounge dignitary uh, John Adams yesterday about this. We were talking about CMC going first in most drafts here, and that is sort of the consensus pick. And John, like myself, is pretty high on Sam Darnold as a reclamation project. For, for me, I just never like to admit I'm wrong. And I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm the same way about Jared Goff. I, I think it's a hopeless situation in Detroit with no line yeah. and no receivers. But, I mean, I think Jared Goff will get every bit out of that that he possibly can because I've been a believer in him. But in Darnold, I think I have a chance to still be proven right. So he and I are both higher on Darnold than most. But here's the thing. Most people, as I noted, are not as high on Sam Darnold, and yet CMC is the consensus number one pick. How can that be? If you're not a believer in Sam Darnold coming back, then you must believe that McCaffrey's going to be facing eight-man boxes. So, I mean, I don't, there's a disconnect. That's an excellent point, but yeah. I don't think people, not that they're not smart enough, but I don't think people are thinking of fans as individuals and not okay. as a tandem or part of a team, but you're right about that. If people are just going to load it up, yeah. And let Sam Darnold throw. Well, then Christian McCaffrey, I'm sorry, I, you know, he's probably not a number one pick. That's an excellent point, Rick. That's yeah. Point. I don't get where people are at because the, aver- the average Joe on the street is not as high on Darnold as I am, and yet the average Joe on the street would probably take McCaffrey number one without uh, thinking too hard on it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, an interesting thought about uh, that. It's, it's, it's all interconnected. And, Again, as far as the running backs go, you know, you noted this as far as drafts go, is that you, you've got to drop off a pretty steep one after the number one guys. I mean, McCaffrey, Henry, Cook, Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, you know, Barkley. Uh, I'm going to throw Chubb in there because I think, Chubb's you know, he has to, and, and look, and and there's there's part of my, you know, bias in it as, as a guy who probably has a brown and orange full Chubb t-shirt, but, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think he'd be number one overall if it wasn't for Kareem Hunt, because I do think he is the best back in the league. That said, even with Kareem Hunt, and that's why most people fear taking Chubb, I think he's proven that, you know, when he was healthy last year, he still got top caliber production in that spot. You, you've got however many guys in there. Most people will still put Kamara in there, even though I think the New Orleans offense might go off a cliff without Breeze. We'll, we'll find out pretty quickly on that agreed, one. Agreed, agreed. And, you know, however many guys you put on that tier, Aaron Jones, if you put Barkley on there, if you put Edwards Hilaire on there. But I do think the number ones, like I said, with the number one wide receivers, to me those are the guys, again, you don't really make them subject to matchups. That those are guys, if they're healthy, uh, if they're not on a bye, you, you roll with it here. I think as with number two uh, wide receivers and number three, if you're playing in leagues with number three wide receivers, it's the number two running backs where you can feel free to mix and match. But, you know, that's always a default philosophy with us here with FantasyDraftHealth.com and this show is – you know, your core guys, you do not want to subject them to the week-in, week-out thing. So whether you consider your top tier to be 8 deep, 10 deep, 11, whatever it is, in a 12-team league, that would mean that most teams would have at least one running back that all things considered they don't want to tinker with on a given week. That is correct. And, you know, um, I would also prioritize tight end but not go crazy. There's yes. about, you know... You know, the, the, the Kittles and the Kelseys, and uh, you, know, you go with them if you can in the first or second round, and then you can still get value in the you know fourth round or fifth round. You know, Dallas Goddard's still hanging around. You have some, some tight ends that 
aren't elites, but certainly can 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 do some things. But uh, when I mentioned like um, uh, a a Kelsey or a, or a Kill, those they're, they're almost as good as or productive as any wide receiver out there. Kelsey's been the top tight end in the league four straight years in fantasy. You know, so if you don't want to go wide receiver first round, if you took Travis Kelsey, I wouldn't blame. No, absolutely, and I tell you what, I mean, Kelsey is so great that. In the league that I'm in, I'm in well two leagues, but the same rules and most of the same people. Very, very old school in that it's not even mandatory tight ends. It's just three wide receivers slash tight ends. Travis Kelsey went at the back end of the first round in both drafts. In, in In a league where you don't have to start a tight end. That's how great he is. And then Darren Waller last year, I think, also ascended to that level that we're talking about here as well. You know, Kelsey, Darren Waller, Waller I would, Kittle. I would put in the mix with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. I agree. Absolutely. And to whatever extent, uh, you know, and again, I would feel a little bit more free to tinker, but not quite as much. Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, TJ Hawkinson. Kyle Pitts has a chance very early on to establish himself along with Kelsey Waller and Kittle as a guy that you never take out of your lineup. Agreed. Uh, like you mentioned, in fact, I have them written down right here. If you, if you can't go with those tier, wait a few rounds, and you can get a T.J. Hawkerson, a Mark Andrews, a Goddard, Noah Font, you know, guys like that. You could still be very productive, uh, but they're just not at the level that a Kittle is, or um, uh, like you mentioned, a Travis Kelsey or a uh, or a Wall Darrell Waller. Yeah, that's true. And uh, by the way, too, a, a special uh, circumstance to. Uh, run into uh, here during this season, and and it doesn't uh, come up very, very often, but uh, a question uh, submitted from uh, producer uh, Steve Servillo on this, in looking at the, uh, and this is a rare type of situation, Derrick Henry in Tennessee, and really a bunch of, uh, as a questionable, I think, decision, a bunch of unproven kind of guys behind him on the depth chart there, uh, a situation where, quite frankly, none of those guys ended up uh, even getting drafted in my 16-round uh, drafts just because, again, the, it, it usually ends up being this way, that the depth chart is very fuzzy. Uh, certainly uh, head coaches have no interest in making things easier for fantasy football owners, so it's not like they're going to want to necessarily tip their hand at, like, you know, the fate of Western civilization might hinge on whether Jeremy McNichols or Mickey Sargent is, uh, you know, number two on the depth chart. Yeah, you know, if, you, if, you, yeah, if you go Mickey Sargent or Jeremy McNichols, and if you knew that, I'd be very impressed. Well, if you did, but, I mean, most people have no idea who's behind Derek Henry. Yeah, exactly. And that's so it's a situation where uh, I think – you know, you don't see too many of them in the league, but those are the ones where if you're looking at the waiver wire earlier in the year, I think that's what you're going to want to look to is because, I mean, most, it, it's very, very unusual because most teams, they not only have, you know, their their number two running back drafted, sometimes as a handcuff uh, to the number one if it's by the same owner, but in many cases the number three running back taken as well, particularly, again, in 12-team leagues. So the rare instances where a team's backup uh, has, that, particularly a backup for a big-time player, has not been taken. If you start to see one of these guys make an impression uh, in their limited usage early on, it would probably behoove you to want to snarf him up because uh, if Henry goes down, that becomes your front runner. obviously, if the guy's had a chance to make a good impression in the games prior to that. And Chubba Hubbard is behind Christian McCaffrey, and he was drafted um, 
uh, Matt Rule uh, said that he drafted him because his wife reminded him, but he ran all over him when he was at Baylor. So, <laughs> he, so, so he drafted Tubba Hubbard. He's a rookie out of Oklahoma State. He's right behind Christian McCaffrey, ready to go. Yeah, and uh, that's a guy where he may not have been drafted in uh, too many leagues. I did see he was drafted in the 13th round in one of mine, 15th round in the other one. So he, wow, came, okay. he came close to not being drafted. So that's... Yeah. You know that's a that's a good guy to, for you to uh, bring up there because yeah that could be somebody available uh, on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues here and uh, I I think it probably also to tie it together a little bit here it probably goes without saying but I'm not going to assume that that uh, the way that we were talking about wide receivers versus running backs I can't imagine that there would be a situation this year uh, because I think as you go on, the, the drop in depth is so pronounced between the positions. Any league where it's a flex spot, two running backs, two wide receivers flex, for all intents and purposes, you're talking about a three wide receiver uh, league this year. I mean, unless you, uh, early on, unless you went running back, running back, running back, I will say on the team I talked about before, my sixth round pick, I did make the decision to try to solidify number three running back before receiver depth. I, I went DeAndre Swift, and assuming that he's not facing too much eight in a box, uh, which I think he probably will, then he could have a chance for a decent season. So a team like that, maybe, 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 I might go three running backs, although it's not a flex league. But I mean, probably for 99% of the teams out there in America, Joe, I got to think that uh, if you're looking at who your flex is going to be this year on your team, it's going to be a matter of which wide receiver versus a third running back being in the mix. I totally agree with that. Like I said, it's chock full wide receivers. I mean, you can start at the top at Devontae Adams, and you can just go, I mean, keep going. Like you said, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen. Good, good opening week for Adam Thielen playing the Bengals. Uh, they're missing their starting cornerback. That might be a good play. Cooper Cup with the Rams now with Matt Stafford behind him. Deontay Johnson with the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger. He had a bad year. Still threw 33 touchdown passes last year. DJ Moore. Brandon Ayuk led. Uh, he was a rookie last year. Led the Niners in receptions, targets, and catches. Mm-hmm. He's another. He's another guy to keep uh, to keep an eye on. And then of course I know he's questionable, but Kenny Galladay. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. still questionable. Um, uh, Cortland Sutton is, is down. I mean, Jerry Judy. And then you have guys that came out last year, like, you know, Jalen Waddle. Where does he go? Devontae Smith from uh, Alabama. Where does he go? I mean, now you have to also understand the teams that they're playing with. And I don't know. I don't know nothing about Jalen Hurts except what I watched in college. And he did some things okay last year and some things not okay. But you also have to consider the quarterback. In certain situations, uh, you know, is he going to be prolific with someone like a Devontae Smith? Like Devontae Smith dominated, but you know, with Matt uh, Matt Jones in Alabama, I don't know if he'll do the same with you know in the first year. It's basically Jalen Hurts' first year too. But you know, these are guys you could probably get some value for them in the later rounds. Oh, absolutely, good points there, and uh, it is a thing. I will tell you this: that uh, again, my uh, my leagues being three wide receiver leagues. Uh, and uh, locking up uh, candidates, this was in the first of my uh, drafts, for number three wide receiver here, uh, I went uh, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, and went with got within, I think, two picks of being able to go Devontae Smith. I almost, wow. swept, I almost swept the board on the holy trinity of uh, big-time rookie wide receivers this wow, year. Wow, yeah. phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, that would have been amazing if I'd gotten them. Uh, I ended up getting uh, Marquise Brown. 
uh, as another backup there, so I, I could live with that. That was uh, uh, decent enough. I, I you know, Coincidentally, I got him on my other team as well, although that kind of tends to happen a lot of times when I'm drafting in the same spots. Uh, is that it tends to be the same pool of guys sometimes that are uh, available. So it, uh, do, do you yet know where you will be picking in your draft tonight, Joe? I don't. I don't. I know the fight. I can hear the text. My thread's going on. Speak. <laughs> I hope it's not interrupting the program. No. But, uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. I logged on yesterday just to make sure that I was in. Having a little trouble right before we went on logging in again, but I'm sure I'll have enough time to figure it all out. I'm usually hit or miss. I'm usually top two, or I'm at the bottom. So I'm never, I've never really experienced the fifth, sixth, and seventh like the no man's land picks yeah. like you talked about. I'm usually, it's usually all or nothing. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it, we'll it, see. It, it, you know, there's different philosophies. I kind of like the back end where you get your two, you know, guys because the value sometimes between number one or two and 11, 10 and 12 and 13 isn't that great of a drop off and you get two for one. So that's not, it's not, not the worst thing in the world to be at the back end of a snake draft. Not the worst at all. Uh, and again, I, I much prefer it to the middle. Uh, some people aren't as bothered by being in the middle, but I hate it uh, personally. Oh, so yeah, that's, uh, I, I hope you get a spot that is uh, advantageous to you, but uh <laughs> As anybody, I mean, forget the conversation tonight. As anyone could have told from our previous conversations on the show, Joe Stazak is not a man who needs to rely on luck, but uh, I hope you have it anyways, my friend. Uh, you know. You're too kind, Rick. I appreciate it. No, I could certainly use some. I'll tell you that, for, at least for fantasy. Well, there you go. There you go. And I, I hope that it goes uh, well for you. I look forward to hearing about another fantasy championship for you. And uh, as I say... <laughs> Look forward to the, uh, the next time we get you uh, back on the program here. Thank you so much for making time for us today, buddy. Rick, I always love coming on, man. It's always great catching up with you, my friend. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it up uh, throughout the season. Thank you again. Uh, thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1377.